Hi everyone, welcome to episode 7 of This is Womanhood and today I am chatting to April Wild who is an amazing woman. I absolutely loved recording this podcast. April does a lot of similar work to what I do, so she works with women, she does pregnancy yoga, women's circles, womb yoga, all of that and it's just my favorite thing to talk about so I really loved recording this episode and not to mention that I also got to sample some of her amazing vegan food because she also runs a plant-based cafe in Cheshire called Wild and Wild so if you're in that area then definitely go and check it out because the food was amazing and they have lots of different events and stuff running there. So in this episode we're talking about all things motherhood and April's journey and all about the work that she does and hypnobirthing she's also a hypnobirthing practitioner and she's a doula so we talk about that and just everything to do with pregnancy, birth and babies and motherhood and vegan food just all of the good stuff really so I hope that you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side so thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yes, okay. oh, I'm so pleased to be here and to get to know you a little bit better because I feel like I, I feel like I already know you. Like we've just said, I feel like I know you off social media, but I've actually never met you in real life. So I'm looking forward to getting to know your journey. Um, so to begin with, I just wanted to kind of ask about your background, really, mm-hmm. and learn a little bit more about you because yeah, I'm excited to get to know you a bit more. Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for coming all this way to visit me. me. And um, yeah, I just think it's amazing the work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Like you as well, I lead like women's circles and bringing women together. And I think collectively, it's so beautiful just to have a a space to share these stories. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I've really been enjoying the podcast (laughs) so far. Thank (laughs) you. But yeah, so my background, well, I wasn't always into yoga Mm -hmm. um, and and all the things that I do now, way back when I was actually, when I was a child, I was, I used to struggle with lots of confidence issues. I was quite a quiet young girl and, um, and it took me, I've been on quite a journey, mm-hmm. let's say, since childhood, since school. I grew up, my hometown is Congleton in Cheshire and um, yeah, I always kind of stayed around here and then I think my traveling and diving into spiritual practice has really been the drive that's kind of brought about all that I've kind of manifested in my life as well mm. yeah but um so yeah I think background wise um I kind of how I got into all of this really I kind of had your normal childhood I went to school and um went straight into kind of university after school there was a lot of kind of pressures there to always achieve from my, mm. my family and um and do something that, you know, the nine to five job, earning a good income, you know. Mm. So I always kind of thought I'd go down that route. And but I always had an inner purpose and an inner wisdom really telling me that I need to help people. Mm. And I wanted, because I'd struggled a lot when I was a child with anxiety and stress. And I really wanted to focus on that. So I actually went to university to study psychology. Okay. And... When I'd like finished my three-year degree, um, I went straight into kind of a normal, you know, nine-to-five job, and um, soon enough, I started getting complaints and stre- more stress, and I think I started to find I had this illness as well, skin issues, I felt tired all the time, a lot of fatigue, and I realized that this isn't the path that I wanted to be on, mm. and I started to get quite ill and I started to realize that there's more, there's, there must be more to life really. And this is when I just decided to, it was quite extreme. I, um, I just decided to book this big trip to India on my own. Wow. <laughs> and what just, made you decide on in India? Just I think it was like always, I just always, I'd traveled before when I was 18 mm. and around Asia and different places, but I'd never been to India. Mm. And, and I'd always just knew it was the home of spirituality and um, lots of different practices, and, uh, and so were you quite spiritual up until that point? Well, my my mother was, mm. and um, and I had a few friends that have dived a little bit into yoga. I was one of those people that did it occasionally, mm. and um, and through university, I was very big into Bikram yoga. Actually, <laughs> it's a quite fiery, hot, mm. you know, and a lot of energetic yoga. But I wanted to have a look, dive more into the 
self-practice, sadhana, meditation. Um, and this opportunity just came up. I made this decision. I wanted to go to India. Mm. And this a family friend um, of my mum's actually just got in touch and said they were filming this um, big documentary about this hugging mother, this saint, mm. Amma. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I want to be involved in that. So I, I jumped in and I said, can I just come with you? Can I be involved in this project? And at that time, it was um, Amma's, it was her big birthday celebration, like 65th. And she had this big celebration. Millions were coming to her ashram mm. and queuing up just to have Darshan. Wow. So just a hug and embrace from her. Mm. People would queue for days and days. And we wow. thought it would be beautiful to document this whole mm. series. So this is where it all started for me. I, if I look back at my background, how I got into the world I'm in now, mm. um, I went on this trip to India and there was like a line of events really that happened. First was that Darshan mm. with this beautiful hugging mother. Um, and I, ha I think the days following that, just that simple embrace and that simple act of devotion and seeing those people with so much love and honour, honouring this figure mm. it made me really take a few days out just to find out what was my truth what was my purpose mm. and that's when um I had this message that I'm just going to go home and quit my job and wow. so I was in advertising funnily enough right, I'd gone okay. from the psychology to oh, really? just working like a normal yeah. you know nine to five just busy advertising job mm. and I knew I wanted more out of my life so I just um I got and from that day um I went on um, to travel around India and I had this lineup of events like I met one of my favorite yoga teachers called Shiva Ray okay. <laughs> just ha happened by chance in the middle of India and she gave me some wisdom to just follow mm -hmm. my so inner purpose. So was she purpose. already a yoga teacher that you knew? Or yeah you I'd, I'd been. That's where that journey started. Yeah well I hadn't ever met her um, okay. but I'd heard about okay, her yeah. and just through simple classes that I've been to mm. um, and a few DVDs I'd done you know yeah, <laughs> things yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> So I, I just had, it just seemed strange to me, like, to run into her mm. in the most unlikely places in the middle yeah. of India. <laughs> so I, anyway, that was an amazing trip. A lot of different events happened. Mm. Um, and I came home and that's when I just decided I need to do something more with my life. And I booked on to a yoga teacher training. <laughs> so, um, but I had a lot, I had to work, you know, a notice period obviously on my job and I mm. carried it on for a few months and was going down to London at weekends to, to, to learn yoga. Mm. And then I was um, coming back, you know, working nine to five in the week. And this was with a beautiful lady called Claire Missingham. Oh, so okay. she's yeah, based in London and who's, I'd seen her practices on Yoga Glow, and she's very worldwide. She mm. teaches, you know, her, her practices are everywhere. And um, and that's where my journey started, really. Mm. Yeah. So how long ago was that, the, the training? So that was about, gosh, about seven or eight years ago now. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was uh, quite young, and then, so now I'm like 29, and mm. I just kind of took that step. And I think when I after a year of doing my training and I stepped out it to be honest it wasn't to become a yoga teacher it was mm. just a spiritual journey for myself yeah. during that journey I I mean I got rid of severe like eczema and like psoriasis symptoms that I had mm. just from um from health issues I'd had all my life digestive issues um stress confidence issues I feel like that whole teacher training journey for that year it was also the year that I decided to go plant-based. Oh, okay. So what sparked that? <laughs> well, I think what, one of the things that Claire did on our training, which I always remember, is to start, um, it was a 40-day sardana project. Mm. And every single day, you, you, know, you do a self-practice, you take time to read an inspirational book, you write about everything of your day and everything you've eaten. You, you kind of, it's like an observation of your whole life. Mm. And... It, it was really amazing to me, this like practice of journaling. Mm. And when it got to the end of the 40 days, I just had this, well, throughout really, I had this realization that everything's connected, you know, how we are with our thoughts and people around us, but also to all of the living beings in the world. Mm. And something just changed in me um, that I needed to respect the earth that we live on more. Mm. And 
I think it was just an inner listening from when I was a young girl. I'd actually gone vegetarian when I was eight. Right, okay. <laughs> but my parents were absolutely scared. Really? <laughs> Completely, yeah. Vegetarian, there was a lot right? of fear, right. and they used to try and hide protein in my food and things right. like that. <laughs> it was really bad, actually, when I heard the stories. And my mum was terrified that I wasn't getting enough protein. Right, okay. And um, even though I know that mm, I was, mm. I soon I enough. That. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so real because I think that we're not educated about it especially Mm -hmm. not kind of like the generation before is even more so Mm. so I can understand that that would be a fear definitely from mother's point of view and back then it was so normal to you know glass of milk when you're into school that's what you learn yeah exactly we need our calcium levels and and now Mm. all of it's amazing all the research that's coming out today that shows that it's easy you know to get your nutritional benefits eating a plant-based diet Mm -hmm. and yeah so that that was a really important step for me Mm. and and that, like I said, I didn't go into a yoga teacher training to become a yoga teacher. Mm. But when I came out of that door, I always remember in London and I just, I felt ready. Mm. I felt ready to share my teachings, uh, which started for me in vinyasa. So it's right. very strong. Um, if anyone's ever practiced with Claire, she's very, she's got a very strong practice, dedicated practice. And, and then it, it was interesting how my life then changed, how it started to mold and just adapt to my to my um, alignment, really. Mm. Um, and so I started, it was, I practiced more of a softer yeah. uh, vinyasa and then also bringing in more of a like restorative women's practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I don't teach men, but it's a very more gentle yeah. and more honoring of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both are, you know, both sides yeah, are important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think different different stages in your in different in your yeah. life. You know, because I was the same when I first started yoga. It was like Bikram, mm-hmm. Bikram, Bikram, and then more towards like Hatha and Vinyasa, and then now, like you say, kind of like more restorative yeah, and the womb yoga. You know, it does kind of take that bit of a journey, and obviously, I think being a mother definitely shifts. Definitely, that. and um, also like with the monthly cycles, yeah. how much I've learned now yeah, from this. Yeah. How much we need, like with different moon cycle, mm-hmm. just sometimes you need more yeah, fiery energy, exactly, shakti, yeah. and then it kind of comes down, and yeah. you need that more downward flow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah later on. Yeah. yeah. So during that year, you say that kind of your physical issues, your um, everything, stuff, yeah. so like skin problems, mm-hmm. and then your confidence was increased. I was in well. shock. Like my partner. So at that point, I'd met my right. my soulmate, mm-hmm. and um, and he just saw this crazy shift in me. Wow. it was like ever my whole life had changed mm. um and he actually did this sadhana practice with me amazingly okay. I, he's been so supportive and he as well was one of the first people that said to me let's go from vegetarian to so vegan. he was already vegetarian when you met him well it, we did actually um no we used to eat meat and things when we first met mm. but not not excessively mm. you know and uh, we were more conscious about it but no, we, we shifted together and it was actually through this, me getting back from India, getting into cooking together, mm. wanting to get healthy, fit and then through my yoga that mm. he kind of joined. I think you do do that, don't you, yeah. in a relationship that you mm. go on these spirals together. Yeah. And um, so he actually, we watched this documentary which I couldn't even sit through, you know, like Earthlings yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I literally oh. watched, like, the um, trailer for that, and that was it. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm already vegan. I'm I couldn't that ever again. <laughs> he watched the whole thing, and I sat through 10 minutes, yeah, and was like, no. okay, okay, I, I decided I'm going to do it. Yeah. But yeah, from that day, we've never eaten anything, milk, eggs, mm. you know, cheese, anything like that. And um, and his whole, he was a personal trainer at the time, mm. so that was a big step for him. Mm. And he, like, found that his energy, his ability, endurance, everything changed for him as well. So we were both on this incredible journey together, mm. seeing all this new kind of life force that we could bring into, you know, as a couple as well. Mm. And then I think um, because we were in such a, a sacred place together, we, that was at the same year we moved in together. Mm. Uh, we got our dog, Gaia. <laughs> Gaia. <laughs> such an amazing dog. And then we fell pregnant with our first little one, oh, our little God. wildling. Oh, <laughs> and that was, I think this is the big turning point, really. Mm. Um, it was just the shift in me and for him just to dedicate ourselves, our life to something else. It mm. was just one of the best moments. And don't get me wrong, it, didn't, it took some time because it wasn't like planned, as we right, <laughs> would say. Right, it was yeah. quite a surprise, but... Mm-hmm it was the best surprise that ever happened to mm. us because it's taken me on this journey to I think feel like I need to give more for the 
for, my, for the future generations, really. Mm. Yeah. So you were living and working as a yoga teacher mm-hmm. at that point, and then you fell pregnant. So then how did that pregnancy journey go for you so it was quite a spiritual you were already yes. doing your spiritual practice and so how was that pregnancy because I know you're on your third now yeah third now like, I'm just about to give birth so yes. thank you for doing this podcast like, <laughs> yeah for those listening that yeah. I'm 38 weeks now on my yeah. third baby so mm. yeah it's it's incredible like it, it's I think every pregnancy has been such a learning journey and right. everyone's been so different really so I think the first um I think it, back then, I'd only, I, I'd done my yoga teacher training, but nothing had prepared me for mm. the feelings and the fear around our society that comes up when you get pregnant. Yeah. And this was a massive shock for me. Mm. Everyone kind of telling me suddenly their horror stories and their, um, even people fearing for me, friends and family, um, oh, how are you feeling about the birth? And I knew then when I found out, okay. I've got to go deep into this, do all the research I can, mm. find out how I can have the most calm and confident, empowered birth that I, yeah. and not just birth, but feel good in the pregnancy mm. and from, have, for bringing this life into the world. So that's when, um, as now, as you know, like I'm a doula and a hypnobirthing teacher mm. and um, I just love every aspect of education on birth. Yeah. Now that's where it all started really for me. Mm. And I went from, you know, teaching regular classes I was teaching like about 12 classes a week um and I started to take more time out for myself to do more education so I practiced I uh sorry I trained in pregnancy yoga womb yoga During your first pregnancy yeah so that's right, when I, okay. I did all the trainings oh, so okay. it was hypnobirthing training I literally did everything I could yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I fit it all in I, I kind of took it out as a year of mm. um well about a few months of just kind of diving into all the research really yeah and that was it was a special time Mm. um and there was a lot of kind of things that came up um fears that you have to overcome you know in Mm. pregnancy Mm. and I ended up actually finding out at seven months when I was pregnant that I had a quite not the most common let's say and heart condition uh it's an electrical problem with my heart right so there was a lot of fear then I had to be on like monitors for two weeks at home that I had to carry these monitors around. There was a lot of fear from the medical team. I had to have a cardiologist like sign off everything that I wanted for my birth. Mm. I was told I wasn't allowed a water birth. I wouldn't ever be allowed a home birth. And had you wanted, is that what you'd been planning? Yes, yes. So I'd, I'd, I kind of felt um, from all the research I'd done, why would I not want to be in my own environment? Why would I not want to give birth in the place I feel most secure? And I'd always been a little bit... Um, more cautious of hospitals and mm. um, I found that they put me in a bit of a fear state but actually um, they were very worried when they found out I had my heart condition that you know it might affect me at the birth which I understand and mm. I needed to work with the medical team but I managed to work with them so well from all the research that I did done and now I always say to anyone that's pregnant or even thinking about a conscious conception or anything mm. in, in the future just preparation is key. Yeah. You, you can't, you wouldn't ever just walk up and, you know, and start a marathon race, you know, running without doing any training, mm. you know. So it's, birth is no different. Mm. You've got to do the mental preparation for the whole of them nine months to get the birth that you want. Yeah. So even though I was in the hospital and I, even though I knew that that would be a fear trigger for me, I knew that from all the calm practice that I'd done, the hypnobirthing, the confidence, the retraining my mind... Um, I'd be okay mm-hmm. and it was it was a really empowered birth mm-hmm. and and then I went on to have my my second at home and this one's any day now yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming at home as well so just for people who listen mm. who don't know what hypnobirth yeah. is could you because you're a hypnobirth and yeah. you practice that now don't you yeah so could you just explain a little bit about that for people? of course yeah it's um it's got a bit of a bad reputation I think on the name because mm. it makes you think that I'm going to put someone's going to put you out of control yeah and like hypnotize you like Darren Brown off the telly or something (laughs) but actually um it's all about self-hypnosis so just like in yoga when you go into a deep place of spiritual you know meditation or contemplation this is the kind of we're we're accessing um a, a calmness within hypnobirthing so basically if you imagine it like a toolbox that you're going to take into your birth a toolbox of breathing techniques, affirmations, visualizations, 
birth positions, like full, it's basically a full antenatal program, which has even been accredited by the school of midwifery now. And wow. um, that prepares you, mm-hmm. you know, for the birth mm-hmm. and, and fills you with positivity instead of any fear. Mm-hmm. So it's all about really, I like to compare it a little bit like to the law of attraction, you know, that theory, some of you might have read the book, The Secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit like that, like it's kind of the secret for birth. You know? yeah, yeah. It's kind of just mentally preparing and changing and removing the fear. Mm-hmm. So hypnobirthing removes all the fear and gets you feeling really confident. Mm. And that's what it did for me anyway. Yeah, yeah same for me actually. I did hypnobirthing oh, and good. I remember like some of the, the visualizations and the breathing techniques it was just that was like my mantra like throughout mm. my birth with Malachi you know it was just like the breathing techniques in particular just kept me kept me going and I think as well women some women who are put off by hypnobirthing I think that it's kind of like that or going down the route of um like the medicalized yes, way was yeah. actually it doesn't have to be one or the other you can take the elements of hypnobirthing That's just so prepares true. you and yeah okay you might then not want to have any kind of mm. um, pain relief but you you can opt for whatever suits you can't you so it's not yeah. just kind of like you know one or the other I'm so glad you said that because so many people do think that they think oh you had this amazing home birth great for you you know mm. you've had this and I'm like but that doesn't mean just because if you're not at home or if you have yeah if you electively have a cesarean yeah. you know for some medical need or um I mean I'll always recommend to try for a natural birth mm. first but I know for medical cases, there's, there's always reasons why you know, it might be that they need an induction or epidurals, different things. Mm. And I've worked with women as a doula, like attending births, mm. where they've been in this empowered, like primal zone, even during like some mm. of the harshest medical intervention that you might see as quite scary, mm. they have just looked in this yeah, bubble absolutely. of positivity still. Yeah. So I think it's getting rid of that myth, really, that we can't use hypnobirthing if we're having, you know, like a C-section or mm. it, it's, we, we plan to do it as naturally and calmly as possible. But if things steer away from that a little bit, it, it's not to throw you. Mm. It means and that I we think keep... it helps you prepare for that Yeah, as yeah, well. exactly. So it's just like a meditation practice, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like I definitely found hypnobirthing to be the most, definitely. most amazing thing for me, definitely. And people that haven't um, maybe done yoga, I get a lot that come to my courses that have never tried yoga. Yeah. And I think the benefit of, they balance each other so well so mm. I always recommend pregnancy yoga yeah. but also the techniques that we do like the breathing techniques in hypnobirthing are so similar um to like you know techniques that you do in a meditation class so actually people find that after they've given birth as well they find that they're calmer with their babies and mm. they can take these practices onwards yeah, and then they I always yeah. find that they get into yoga later on as yeah, well yeah. yeah so you teach pregnancy yoga as well yeah so so with the pregnancy yoga, what benefits did you find in your personal journey from that first pregnancy when you were doing it? Well, I think it was just a connection to the baby was mm. more than ever. There was, I found every time I practiced, um, I felt I would channel energy with with the womb space and with my heart. And and it's so easy to get so busy in your everyday life. I mean, at the moment, you know, I'm running a managing a busy cafe and mm. doulering and doing hypnobirthing workshops all the time and. It's so easy to get caught up in thinking, thinking, thinking about the past and the future. So doing yoga keeps you present and, and keeps you present with that little life force within. Because like I say in my classes, it's always so important. Everything you experience, your baby will also experience. Mm. And so, yeah, it, it just kept me grounded completely. Yeah. And mm. then I used it. I felt all the breathing techniques, all the postures, the, even some of the positions for labor as well, mm. which was good. And... So up until you were pregnant, were you practicing like your vinyasa classes? And yes, quite strong, doing, yeah. quite strong, yeah. So then one of the things that's come up for me and that I think is maybe something in the yoga world that needs to be addressed mm. is how women transition into the postnatal period because it's almost like if you've been going to a yoga studio, you're doing a strong practice, then you're pregnant and it's almost like there's a space for you because then you go yeah. to pregnancy yoga. And then even though there's some postnatal classes, I think it's quite difficult for women in that postnatal period because they kind of feel like they've sort of fell off mm. the edge of the yoga world. Like yeah. there's not really a space for them. So there's like they're trying to get their 
quote unquote baby body back which I hate that term but and I think it's quite um it can be quite a difficult time for women because they feel like they're not in their own the the body that they were used to Mm -hmm. before pregnancy they're now not in this pregnancy body they've got a new baby to deal with all the hormones and emotions of that they've now almost not got their yoga practice because it doesn't feel right in their body to be doing such a strong practice but there isn't really a space for them so how did you navigate your way through that um did you find any of those things I've just said to be real for you and how did you navigate your way through that yeah I think um when I first had my little one my little girl River she I never even realized how much your body changed Mm. and luckily because of my yoga I listened completely to my body and took things one step at a time Mm. but for so many out there that have come to my pregnancy yoga that get in back in touch with me after and they said they just got straight back into vinyasa and straight back into going to the gym and these boot camps and and then mostly I find they end up with that you know the yeah 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 that's exactly that's exactly what happened to me yeah the abdominal split is so common and it's like isn't it like 60 percent or there's some statistics there is quite a big percentage and no surprise because I did feel the pressure I felt such a strong pressure I was like um, especially because I felt like I'd not like lay on the belly for so long yeah, and like, I want to yeah. do some big back bends. And I remember I went to a class um, probably a little bit early. There's this big workshop and and I was like, I, I can do it because you are actually quite flexible because you've still got the relaxing, mm. pulsing through your body because if you're breastfeeding as well. So I remember I went into this big open back bend and I felt good for a moment, mm. but oh wow, did I suffer for yeah, weeks after yeah, yeah. because your body might be able to bend a little bit more now you're postnatal and you've had your baby but it doesn't mean emotionally and physically mm. you're ready at all. Mm, no. And I think to navigate that, I think we need to look at our culture and um, and see that this, this time after you've had your baby is for bonding and for resting, deep rest. There's that amazing mm. book, The 42 Days, um, oh, what's it called now? Wait, after the baby, it's like the first 45 days are the most vital just yeah. to stay at home, rest, just you know get used to feeding um, and nourishing your body Mm. you know it's simple things like meditation and womb yoga practice that are just very gentle Mm. are perfect it's just what your body's crying out for I always um, tell women to think of it as it's like on the inside we don't really know what's going on like it's like you kind of had a motor you know someone someone had if they had like a motorcycle accident they wouldn't practice they wouldn't get into like exercising for gosh eight weeks longer yeah and but we've actually got this wound the the uterus is healing from the inside Mm. from the loss of the placenta and it's all coming together and the uterus needs this time this vital time to heal Mm. so that's what I always talk to women about just you'll aggravate it you know Mm. if you don't take the time yeah that's a big thing actually that you mentioned that I don't mm. think many women know that literally as that percentage moves there is a, a yes, big wound yes, there. A big that's wound. why you bleed mm. afterwards because it it is like an open wound it is. essentially yeah. and so you would like exactly like yeah I'm really glad you've mentioned and so many actually. women don't know that they have bleeding yeah. after the birth for yeah. a long time as well and that's mm. always a shock so I think there needs to be more education about it and yeah. more support I think I always encourage women to get a postnatal doula because right. you need someone to kind of remind you just you know you don't need to get up and do the housework everything's fine like just Mm. you know you can get on with a few things but not just busy 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 yourself um yeah and like if you're having visitors come around mm. like visitors when they're coming around bring dinner with you like if if you don't come in my house unless you're going to clean bring dinner or like do something of service because that's what women need and I think that it can be such an isolating time Mm. for women as well and that's why like the circles and the sort of sisterhood is so 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 important especially in that time because even the fact that, you know, the gestation period's nine months, but that's because if it went any bigger, we wouldn't be able to push mm-hmm. that baby out. Mm-hmm. But they're still very dependent on their mothers even after that. You know, like most mammals... Yeah, they come out walking, don't they? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. if we were, like, still, like, living on all fours kind of a thing, mm-hmm. they'd come out and walk, but they're not. And so that, like, sort of fourth trimester is just as vital as the first three. Definitely. It's just that they're outside your body. And so I think that having, oh, I need to get my baby body back, it's like, you, you're still sort of, in a way, pregnant. You know, it's still mm-hmm. kind of in that that nurturing space. And I think it's so important to honour that. And your body will never be the same after, but that's yeah, a beautiful thing. Exactly. It's like yeah. I actually found this newfound love for my body. Like I've never Absolutely, loved my body yeah. so much as yeah. I have now. Like in, in pregnancy, a lot of people are like, oh wow, you feel 
you, you must be so big and uncomfortable. I'm like, no, I it's love this. Thing. Like, yeah. I'm blossoming and I'm I'm full and I'm in love mm. with this life force Absolutely. I have. And and it just it's changing our perception of what it is that this physical body is really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many live their lives in anxiety about body image and. And I know it's, it's so it's so hard for some people, and but like you say, the women's circles connecting, understanding that when we gather together as women, everyone's got this, you know, the, these worries, these mm-hmm. same fears, and how important it is just to share what yeah. you're feeling mm. and understanding that it's okay. Yeah. That, you know, a lot of people are going through this, and the more we connect to our bodies and send ourselves love and respect, then there'll be a conscious shift I think mm, yeah. yeah absolutely but with my women's circles as well I started teaching them like um a few months after I mm. had my you know, or second it was what I got into them um and I just had him like breastfeeding the whole time on me mm. by my mat because a lot of people think you can't really do these you can't really get back into the world of work and I see my work as part of my life you know yeah, it's not really yeah the like your women's circle I bet you love them so much and and actually that made other people relax as well because they bring their babies along and yeah and just have <clears throat> little ones running around and I think that's so important as well because like I said mm. with this whole thing of like you sort of fall off the end of the yoga world when you postnatal mm. because like how many classes are going to let you bring your kids to yeah. but actually that's I think so they should it I think is. they should like literally I had someone because I'm doing a workshop on the weekend I had someone message me asking if they could bring their baby mm. so I think that's what they're going to do because you know we've got to be like inclusive of yeah. all women in all stages of life because it's this is women's work mm. and we need to be able to do that and like a yoga community has to be the space for that because they're not many other nurturing spaces no. that you know you're going to feel at home in and you know we want to create that that safe space mm-hmm. for people so when you're in your women's circles what have you because I know from doing mine I find that lots of kind of um themes come up and I know you mm-hmm. said that it's like no one's going through the same no one's going through what they're going through alone yeah so what have you found to be like kind of the main themes that come up for women in the in the women's work that you do I think there's a lot of um anxiety and Mm. um depression that people don't feel comfortable sharing with even loved ones until they come to these circles and just by simply going around at the start and stating your name and why you're here Mm. floods of emotion just come out and and I think it's a real release and I I can see just how much weight people are carrying on their shoulders and not really sharing because we feel it's so good that mental health work is getting out there more now today, but I know a lot more than it was like 10, 20 years ago. But I think that, um, especially postnatal depression mm. and, um, well, just, and then guilt as well, that not giving themselves enough time, uh, feeling like they just give, give, give with family. And, and I think that has a knock on. So it's all to do with, yeah, just stress and depression, I think, is a big one. Mm. Um, but a lot of negative image to the bodies yeah. as well. Like, mm. I've had people with severe issues, you know, that they can't even look at themselves in the mirror. They feel so much... And you look at them in these circles thinking, wow, what wonderful, yeah, amazing goddesses yeah, yeah. are in this circle. And you can't believe that they've got that, that inner mm. hatred. Um, so there's so much to target. And, and I do see such an improvement when they come back consistently. I, I run them monthly, but... Right. I'm hoping that after having this baby, I might start to run them weekly um, mm. because it's so needed. Yeah, it's so valuable. And and all of you, I, I love all different practices of yoga, but I find that like vinyasa and ashtanga are very masculine orientated mm. uh, towards the male body, as that's where they've come from, the lineage. Now, I feel that they're important for some aspects of our moon cycle, maybe energizing when we're feeling more energetic. But when you're going in that deep period of rest what I call the deep winter Mm. (laughs) you just you need to just switch off and surrender and give yourself time and I think this this is the issue is a lot of us are out of sync with our moon cycles yeah and um and that book the wild power has just literally changed so many people's lives yeah definitely and I'm so excited I'm meeting the lady that wrote that next week yeah I'm so excited and that's one of my favorite books and I think if more people, oh, if they was taught that in schools, imagine. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. it needs to happen. Because <clears throat> you just not, you know, and it's such, 
a big transition into mm. womanhood when you go through like your menarche and you start your period yeah. and yet it's just so secretive like I was speaking about that yesterday to somebody mm. how it's made to made to feel guilty made to feel shameful you know even now in this world and okay I don't know what it's like in schools now mm. because I think periods are getting talked about more menstruation is becoming more of like a mainstream mainstream topic in a way but certainly when I was in school, which wasn't that long ago, mm. so only like, you know, what, 15 yeah. years ago, whenever that was. Um, yeah, never talked about. It was never mm. talked about. And you felt, yeah, like it was just like shameful to be yeah. a woman in your body. Mm. And if you had to go and, you know, use sanitary products, it was like, right, hide them up your sleeve, scuff yeah. just, like run off to the toilets, do it like on the sly. You can't, you can't talk about it. Mm. It doesn't happen. And then you suffer in silence because you've got all of these cramps and you, you think that that's just the way it's meant to be. Mm you know, because no one tells you any different. And actually, there is another way. And if we just educate women about it and young girls, then, you know, there's so much sort of hard times and shame that could be completely eradicated. And Mm -hmm. I think it is such important work. And I think that this shame and this anger or worry about this period in their lives Mm. can also contribute to these issues that we're starting to see more and more, like, severe period cramps yeah, and yeah. endometriosis all these things that are coming up and women's health issues mm-hmm. fertility issues because we see ourselves as this shameful thing happening mm. every month you know if, if you have had that programming from a young age and then we've got to reverse all that yeah. and it's just such a journey to go on and and I just love educating more about this yeah, and, yeah. and how people can honor their bodies and yeah, I think there's so much more that needs to change yeah. still. I think still in schools, they're not getting the education yeah, they imagine, need. Yeah. Um, and it does worry me having a little girl. Yeah, yeah. Maybe another one the way. I don't know what this one is, but mm. <laughs> still, it's 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 worrying, you know. It it's is, like that we need more support. And mm. I love the idea of ceremonial, you know, when yeah, yeah, bringing we, ceremony yeah, into definitely. their lives and having that as a big ceremonial point of womanhood Mm -hmm. and ownership of that yeah Yeah. absolutely and I think that even with you saying about earlier with the hypnobirthing and people's fear around birth I think all of these kind of um rites of passage in a way like Mm -hmm. going through first period even menstruation every month going through pregnancy they're all linked and if it's how you deal with one of those things is kind of how you deal with them all and even if like you know the way you you know transition through giving birth and through your pregnancy and through postnatal Mm -hmm. period can then if you don't give yourself time and space and this nurturing energy people might think oh yeah I'm fine and I sprang back in six weeks and I'm back in my jeans and Mm. I'm back in my boot camp but actually okay that's going to affect you in menopause and I think we don't realize of like looking at ourselves holistically through the whole of our life as a woman Mm. and the whole of this transition into menstruation years into our fertile years and then out of Mm. our fertile years is all so inextricably linked and I think it's important to honor all of that which we're not educated about oh, at, not all, at all because it's all just okay let's look at your aesthetic look at you from the outside do you look mm-hmm. good in jeans do you can you do you know what I mean whereas did you have your abs back and it's it's, it's just crazy isn't it it's, and then equally when you're a child it's like oh look you've started your period just keep that quiet mm-hmm. just like let it's all about the aesthetic it doesn't matter what's going on inside your body just put you on the pill yeah. just to keep that quiet and, and even sexuality if their desires yeah, or exactly. thinking about sex for the first time that's even kind of oh sh- keep that hush yeah everything's kind of quietened and actually if we were educated and able to open up about it from a young age mm. and that's why I think these groups are so important yeah and definitely yeah. I think you're so right it's like we don't understand the knock-on that you know a trauma mm. say from a childhood you know coming on your period or having a really traumatic birth is going to have for the rest of our life like Absolutely, it'll yeah. show itself in some physical form later on mm-hmm. if we don't address it and yeah. and deal with it at the time and mm-hmm. yeah it's so important amazing really the cycle of events that come from that yeah Mm. definitely so how did you find in comparison to that first um pregnancy when you were just kind of getting into these practices and you're doing those trains and stuff how have you found the other two pregnancies to be since then well, um, second time, I think it's a lot harder because you have a toddler running around. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> so what's the age yeah. difference between? So I've got two two years between, it'll right, be between okay. each. So yeah. my little girl now, she's four. Mm-hmm. My little boy's two and this one's due yeah. any day now. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think well, what was amazing about my second is I just, I, I found out so early. Mm. I'm so in tune now with my cycles. And, and it was amazing actually because I breastfed her until 
nearly two. Mm. Well, actually, it was one and a half. And then um, I just knew instantly when I'd stop breastfeeding, I'd start ovulating, like really be fertile again. Mm. And I just had this such a close connection with my body. I just knew the day that I'd be the most fertile. And mm. I could have even trace down to that day when she was conceived. And and so I, I knew by like four weeks that I was right. pregnant, even though like tests wouldn't show. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pregnant with my little boy and so from early on I think it was amazing that pregnancy because I started the practices much earlier Um, I then started to train in very different kind of practices like blessing leading blessing ways so these are like uh, spiritual blessings for mothers um, during to prepare them a little bit different than baby showers where Mm. we're giving preparing for the baby's arrival, giving present for the baby. Mm. It's all about honouring the mother, doing ceremonial tools. And so I lead a lot of them. And that's something like at the cafe that I own in town, um, we get a lot of requests for those, which is lovely. And this is when my second, um, well, it was, it was, I I took more time to like travel and dive into the women's circles more. And I just knew that this is my purpose now. And, um, I loved every aspect of motherhood and mm. yeah, the journey. It was lovely. Mm. And third time round, this has been quite a roller coaster because um, after my little boy was born, um, when he was six months old, we started a big project, which was setting up a fully 100% plant-based mm. <laughs> restaurant in the middle of Cheshire, uh, which was very, like a lot of people had warned us, will never work, you know. I'm not sure it'll be a success yet. People saying that oh, to yeah. you. Friends, wow. family as well. I mean, a lot were supportive, but yeah. a lot of people thought, you know, big meat-eating town here. Yeah, you know, right. we're we're quite south of Manchester, and it was. Um, they said it'll work in a city, you know, like mm. London or Manchester, mm. but in a small town, I'm not sure it'll work. So that time when I was pregnant, when I just had my little boy, mm. um, and on the journey to this pregnancy, that so much has happened. Mm. So it's been it's been quite a roller coaster actually. Yeah, and I'm feeling now I'm only just grounding down because so much has happened in the last year yeah so you, so you feel like you've not had as much time for yourself yes I'm not not at all yeah. but I feel like I just love giving um, mm-hmm. and I think in that spirit in the spiritual world we and yoga teaching and things you just love to do yeah. and say yes and give to others it's only in the last few weeks that I've realized okay yeah this baby's coming soon now mm-hmm. I need to connect and um, we've just hired our first manager <laughs> so oh, that's okay. taking the pressure right, off yeah. me and my partner have like led it from the start really mm. um, and we never realised with the cafe what a success it would be so mm. it's been quite a journey <laughs> yeah I want to come back to the cafe so mm. I just want to ask you one more question about yeah. that um, so you're saying you've not had much time to yourself but what has been kind of your self-care kind of ritual mm. practices throughout literally your pregnancies really or just in your day-to-day life how do you kind of find that time for yourself well I think because I planted the seed from my first pregnancy and from from just doing yoga practicing yoga yeah. uh sadhana like daily practice is really important mm. even if I think um when I first started it used to be you know six you know an hour every morning mm. that's not possible when you have kids you know you're so busy uh, if you can get in five minutes in the morning before yeah, they wake yeah, up yeah. or just while having the breakfast you know I think it's not putting too much pressure on ourselves and so every day I just try and have some mindful time whether it's out in nature whether it's just doing a little meditation myself, um, doing a little bit of movement. Even if I'm at work, I can just nip upstairs, you know, in the cafe and just do a few spiraling hip circles and connection to myself Mm. and breathing. And it just brings you back into a present state. Mm. Um, Just getting outdoors, swimming, being with my children is one of the biggest, amazing, Mm. like, it always keeps me grounded, you know. So, but self-care is vital, I think. And I have, I would say in the last year, I've been on a journey myself because I have reached sometimes a a bit of burnout, even Mm. as a a person that teaches this. Um, I give so much to others and I love leading circles, teaching yoga, but I think I started to do too much. And then I had to come back in and re- assess and that's when I actually went to Bali (laughs) I just went off for a week and Mm. was like I need to just stop and Mm. just be still not do 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 because that's the problem in our society we just even whatever it is if you work in a nine-to-five job or if you're a yoga teacher sometimes whatever you do we might just burn out if we just keep going all the time and I just got to this point where I realized okay I need to nurture and um 
I would say, yeah, just any time you can get just to fit in in the morning, a little bit of spiritual practice, even mm. if it's five minutes, yeah. sets you up for a good day. Mm. And having the power in the mind to a positive thought, I think. Um, so even if things are getting quite stressful, affirmations I work with a lot. So just saying to myself, you know, I'm calm and relaxed, even through anything, you know. Mm. I think that positive attitude's always got me mm. where I want to be. Yeah. Mm. So I know you mentioned Bali, so kind of moving on to the cafe, because I know yeah. it wasn't this trip that inspired <laughs> yes. you, but when you went previously, that was what inspired you mm-hmm. to set up the cafe. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. So the cafe all started. Mm. Uh, we were, actually, funnily enough, pregnant with my first. Oh, okay. So um, pregnant with my first. When I was on this journey, learning all the pregnancy yoga, hypnobirthing, we decided, me and my partner, Chris, would go out to Bali and go for a month uh, just learn educate do ceremony you know and have this lovely trip and it was just there when we were sat in this place called clear cafe in Ubud Mm. sipping smoothies and we we said you know what this is what we need in Cheshire Mm. in our hometown in Congleton a little vegan cafe we can just take your shoes off you do yoga upstairs you can go up and have therapies and we were like this is what I want to do and it just had this this vision was even though I wanted to do all the women's circles and the yoga that I trained in, I wanted a base to do all this from. Yeah. And so we planted a little seed. We, when we were out there, we um, cut up loads of magazines, did vision boards, and I'm a really, really big believer in that. And now when I actually look back the other day and saw this vision board, it's, it's really strange when you see really? it. Like wow. even things that I'd printed off Pinterest when we got home, yeah. and it just looks so what we envisioned. And mm. um, so we got home and it did take some time, like, um, well, it was a few years later, actually, that the, the actual plans for it started to come about. Mm. But we planted the seed back in Bali and then had my little girl focus on being a mother in that role first. And when I felt ready, um, it was actually my second pregnancy, that's why we were putting the plans together to do this. And we needed a location. <laughs> so... It was actually my mum found this place. She bid for a place on auction in the middle of town. And then we just kind of like, it all came at the right time. And and we said, that would be, can we we get involved in that? Let's Mm. get that as our property. Uh, So it's it's kept in the family sheet. We rent it off her, you know, she's into property, you see. And so was it kind of just a shell and you've done it all up? Oh, all yeah, it was okay. big time shell. Wow. <laughs> so it actually was on Homes Under the Hammer. So, oh, wow. yeah, it was on the BBC. We got, they got spotted at auction mm. to follow our whole journey. And they'd never done that with like a vegan cafe right, or yeah. it's usually homes and things. Yeah. So we had that Dion Dublin come in and follow our whole journey. Mm. Um, and the building work took quite a while because it was such a wreck. I mean, mm. we had to extend the whole back, put skylights in, open the back up, make it really holistic and open and during that time as well we were reaching out to lots of motivational people in our own lives uh, people that have been on this journey people you might have heard of like the happy pair and deliciously ella these kind of people that are very open in the plant-based movement Mm -hmm. so we even did a few trips like we went over to ireland to visit the happy pair and they sat down with us gave us some business ideas Mm -hmm. and 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 we we got so much it's excitement really and then we opened six months later but it was just after I'd had my little boy <laughs> so we I just th- flew in you know mm. in the deep end and it couldn't have gone better I remember wow. um really really kind of like worried about the first opening week mm. uh, luckily the homes under the hammer had been on the week before <laughs> so right, it'd been aired okay, yeah. people traveled from all over London wow. Liverpool Manchester because they'd amazing. seen it and because we did like a little zero waste shop we did yeah. we have um you know, three floors, a mm. yoga studio on the middle floor. There's, it's quite a, all rustic wood, like beautiful eco space, and mm. uh, zero waste as well. So we use no plastic. Wow, all the takeaway amazing. products are like mm. compostable. It was one of the first of its kind, yeah. really, in this area. And did you find it hard to initiate those things? Did you find it hard to like even source? Oh yeah, big time. Like, it was all new. Yeah, it was. It was all me and my partner never even been in hospitality. Never did we think we'd been in hospitality. Mm. And this world was such a shock because we realized everyone tries to do it like on a budget really cheap as possible but mm. obviously we wanted things to be sustainable yeah so you have to pay a premium and um, but we soon learn we just research research you know and put all the work in 
and so it was just kind of the two of you pretty yes, much just doing, yeah oh, wow. so we we opened with us two uh, working in the bar with one other person and one chef oh really <laughs> and um and then we had about oh my gosh 100 covers on our first day and there was people queuing out the street and we <laughs> I remember being on the juicer just shaking my hands like and then breastfeeding my little boy in between oh my <laughs> like my mum would come in and be like here he is handing him back and so we soon now we've got um in, in literally two weeks we were just hiring people yeah uh, so now we've got a team of 12 right. um so you've never been the one like making the food and stuff there's always some well we you know that. we've always hired a head chef yeah um and I've, I've always that's been of such a key role getting mm-hmm. the right person and I really felt that was like a manifest manifestation as well getting the right chef at the start she mm. was incredible mm. and that really helped us move forward mm. um when someone's like along your ethos as well yeah. um but don't get me wrong there's been some hurdles <laughs> it's been yeah. ups and downs yeah, you know yeah. and especially like it's just being there all the time and then having the balance between work and family as well because mm. the kids were just there all the time but then I soon realized I I always envisioned that I'd just have him on a sling on my back while I'd be serving people on the till, mm. um, which I do. I still do a lot. You know, he's, he's with me and my little girl. But people kind of, when they want quick service, right, <laughs> you know, okay, they don't really yeah. appreciate kids running around the feet. Right, okay. So we soon had to kind of adapt on that and make sure we delegated more to mm. key roles and things. Mm. But it's been amazing. And we've just won... Um, Cheshire Live, so really prominent magazines like Cafe of the Year. So, so I was just good. and that's not yeah. just vegan cafes, is it? That's just like that's all cafes. All cafes. And wow. some in the running for it were like places that like say a place nearby that've been open for thirty years, and and they've been waiting for this award. And I was just in. And you've been shock. open for eight, eighteen months. Yeah, it? eighteen yeah. months, and I was just in complete shock. And it's just been such a roller coaster. Mm. And I feel like we're just so happy that yeah. we could bring this to our yeah, area, yeah. and the response that we've had. Um, people just coming in because 90% of our customers aren't vegan I was just about to ask yeah. that so, we were next question, so they're, right? 90% okay. eat meat uh, but they want healthier options mm. so they come in and they'll try an oat latte and they'll order like a healthy salad um, usually actually they come in they just have the coffee mm. and then they'll see other people's food and be like oh I'll try that next time mm. and then they become regulars and then you just you get to know all these people it's like a little community and mm. It's amazing to me, especially like the older generation, how much they've embraced it as well in such a small town. Mm. So our next kind of plan is to go a bit bigger, closer to the city, do another one, and then another one in a little small town suburb as well. So we want to keep expanding and growing. Big plans. Yeah. You're busy. It's so busy. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you found, like, I know you said you've been plant-based. So when did you say you went plant-based? Yeah, so that was when... first pregnancy. Yeah, so it was during my yoga teacher training. Right. Yeah, so we... So how how do you feel like that journey's progressed? And, like, the... Because I know for me, I went plant-based, what, almost eight years ago now? Um, And it's changed so much in Mm -hmm. that time. Like, it's, like, just the plant-based... Yeah, what you can buy and everything. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So how how do you feel how do you feel like you've noticed that's true, especially from running your own cafe? Yeah. Now? Well we because we actually, um I didn't really mention this, but we kind of got a little bit sick and tired of how there wasn't much readily available back then. Like seven, eight yeah. years ago, like you yeah. said, you used to go to like restaurants and you'd feel like you were a bit of an outsider mm. and you couldn't really you're being a bit cheeky and and I felt like this, we need to normalize this. So me mm-hmm. and my partner, actually, we did move to Yorkshire for a few years oh, okay. um, to a place called Hebden Bridge, which sorry. is, oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> that was a like vegan community. Um, but then so we soon just had this realization, we don't need to just run away and try and, we kind of like imagine this, we just live off on this eco community and we so were you at, lived in an eco community there. Well, we, yeah, we got we bought a house like basically that had didn't even have its own water supply. We had a little borehole in the, <laughs> in the ground and things, and we were just out. We kind of left family. We just went off on our own because it was a very vegan eco community. Mm. I taught yoga there for a few years after we had our first, mm. and um, but then I soon realised we need to set this up in a place that needs it. Yeah, and then we when we moved back, we started to see like so it in the first five years of going vegan there, there is there's starting to be changes supermarkets are embracing it um a lot more readily accessible foods mm. more cookbooks coming mm. out you know and then that was when really we when we traveled and went to Bali and we we thought well let's push this movement let's do it ourselves mm. and and since then since opening we it seemed like that year <laughs> it was just like a 
just so 18 months ago just seemed to be the boom of veganism yeah like I think it was the biggest number that have ever changed in the UK and the US mm. you know going plant-based and um so I have seen a massive shift. Mm. There wasn't really much back then, yeah, was there? Yeah, no, there wasn't. No. And now you can go to any restaurant and there'll be some kind of vegan option. Yeah. And, and what have you found to be the main benefits for you personally? I think just overall health. Yeah. I mean, I used to have skin issues, digestive problems. Mm. Um, my children are just vibrant and healthy so all the time. They've all been yes. plant-based, yeah. My partner always says, like, vegan since conception. Yeah, you know, right, yeah, same right America, up, yeah. yeah. It's just like... it's. They've never really had big health issues. They mm. fight kind of illnesses quickly, you know, mm-hmm. if they get colds and things yeah. from nursery and stuff. Um, and but have also, you ever, sorry, just yeah. to have you ever, what do you take to pregnancy as a vegan? So I, I don't feel you the don't need to supplement that, that right, much, okay, even yeah. though I know it's recommended. I mean, the folic acid a little bit at the start, but actually what I do is um, I always start my day with my pregnancy smoothie, mm. <laughs> which is packed full of greens, like kale, spinach. I put peanut butter, like milk, these like almond milk, and um, and a few maybe like echinacea drops and little vitamins and vitamins that I need and herbs. And um, and that's always been my go-to. And then that starts me off for a good day of just making sure I bring in a lot of greens and vegetables. Mm. I think once you're doing that, you should fully be able to get all your nutritional requirements. Yeah. So like the calcium level, protein, that's what people worry about the most, yeah. don't they? Um, but I always I always say to people, like, if you're eating whole foods, plant-based diet, you will be getting all your nutrients, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have this fixation on protein. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what does the biggest lamb mammal in the world eat? Like rhinos, gorillas grass you know yeah, 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 <laughs> they're, they're getting their source of protein from yeah, somewhere yeah. so it's it's an interesting one I always have we have these debates daily like with, with customers and the mm. cafe and I think it, there's a lot of education coming out now isn't there mm. about it but yeah I've never felt better so going vegan I think just on overall health through the last few years um, and the effect it's had also I think on my my confidence and my connection mm. to like animals and other people as yeah. well I feel more compassionate I feel mm. like I can truly say that I'm living more sustainably I know we can't be 100% but I feel like I'm giving back in a way mm. you know yeah absolutely I don't know yeah. if you feel that like yeah no definitely yeah. I felt that 100% yeah all the same things that you said really mm-hmm. and I think for me when I first went vegan it was more about health reasons because I'd read about it and I was like okay it seems like a healthier diet and so it did feel healthier for me and then as my journey with it progressed then it was like oh okay now it's more of a moral thing and like an ethical thing Mm. and looking at an environmental thing and so it's like so many more factors that just kind of piled on top Mm. of that original right this is healthier for me and so that's why like for me I I can't imagine me ever not eating a vegan diet because Mm. there's just too many things there's too many reasons in that part now you know what I mean and there's been so many benefits for me and like you said about your children like with Malachi as well he's been vegan since conception and he's just just a little bundle of health you know he's just literally glowing you know and um, and then they eat more varied and they they try more yeah yeah. It's, it's just I think it's a gift that you give to your ch- children. Yeah. And then they can always change their mind. Exactly, that's the thing. I would you know, never like, push anything Yeah, exactly. It's 100% his, mm. his um, choice of whatever he wants to consume. I would never push that on him. I'm just educating him about yeah. why I make the decisions that I make. And then he can make his decisions in due course. Yeah, because if they want to try, I'd never restrict my children and say mm. they can't try eggs or they can't try anything. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like at least give them a chance till they're older. Mm. I mean... I had a very different upbringing where it was like meat and, you know, you meat and your two veg and your carb. And, mm. and I just feel like it, it, you're missing out on this opportunity for all these whole foods mm. and, and vibrant health. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey. And I found the more we've got into it, the more family have. So like most of our family have gone vegan now. Right, yeah. Even like my dad, who like I would never, big businessman, like mm. he does a few days a week. He tries yeah. and he's like cut down his meat intake and everything. He's really, it's amazing yeah, to see the shift. that's so good. And like yeah. you say, when you see people do that as well, you notice so many health benefits oh, in them and like it just completely changes them, doesn't it? One of the questions I wanted to ask actually is about the placenta. Oh, yes. Did you eat your placenta? Uh, so on my first, I had the smoothie, yes, yeah. after the birth. And um, and I did a lot of research into that. 
I think it's so I think it's so vital like we're the only there's I think there's only one mammal on the planet that doesn't eat its placenta really and so every other mammal does so it's a natural thing to consume the nutrients from it Mm -hmm. I think it just makes people feel a bit strange I did I literally felt when I had my anxiety in a smoothie like I literally felt like I could feel it's like a glow pouring into my body like I don't know what I've done without it yeah I really uh, that smoothie was the one and my milk supply came in so quickly Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. I got the little dehydrated tablets right okay uh, form for that and uh, so this time I'm I'm in between like whether to do a lotus birth you know where you keep the placenta attached But I think um, the benefits of the placenta are so powerful, yeah, though. I think I probably will do that again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so in terms of breastfeeding as well, you've never had any issues with breastfeeding. No. How did you find that journey? That was um, amazing. I think um, I just, from the start, I, I mean, it's hard. It's harder than you think sometimes. Mm. Um, first time round, I think there's a lot of pressure in hospital because I was at hospital birth mm. to um, get that latch on straight away. And, right. and then I realised, like, you just got to take your time and be gentle with yourself through it. And my soon, soon enough, my milk was fully in and I was, it just felt so natural and mm. so such a bonding experience. And I can't mm. believe the benefits, like yeah, all the research I've done on it, on how it can affect you in later life, preventative Absolutely. against cancers and all this. So I'm a big advocate. And we, we hold um, at Wild and Wild, the cafe, we hold breastfeeding like, weekly groups. Amazing. We hold the positive so birth good. groups. We educate on this so much. Um, so you hold the positive birth groups yourself? Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's another thing I do. So every month, one's next week actually on Tuesday. Um, mm. We do that every month and we get so many. We get like 20 couples most so every good. month. Oh, so it's couples go to that, Yeah, sometimes. Right? Okay. I mean, a lot of women come on their own. Yeah. Uh, but we say bring kids, bring yeah. families. Some people bring their mums, you know. Mm. Um, the next one's on baby bonding so we'll probably get a breastfeeding um, support worker to come down and talk about that Mm. so there's a lot of fear surrounding that as well isn't there yeah absolutely and that you know or you feel if it doesn't happen in the first few days you feel a bit Mm. down and it's never going to happen for you but it's just wait it's keeping positive and getting the support yeah getting Mm. the support and again I think it goes back to women not trusting their bodies Mm -hmm. you know you feel like oh my body won't be able to give birth like but firstly we'll be able to get pregnant and having issues of conception mm-hmm. and then problems with pregnancy and it's just all of this fear and yeah. I think that again stems from a lifetime of being at war with your body mm. and feeling like your body's shameful and something to feel guilty about yeah. and to disconnect from and I think that does as we said earlier have a knock-on effect throughout all of it whereas if we just accepted our bodies and we were fully trusting of the processes that our bodies yeah. go through as a woman then we just naturally trust the birthing process trust mm. the breastfeeding process and yeah there's going to be like maybe what is it like maybe one I think it's only like one percent of I, women I, I, like literally after six months can, or something yeah but yeah, oh don't, yeah God, I think yeah. it is yeah it's unbelievable it's that crazy, that in the UK, we're one of the worst statistics in the world. Really? Yeah, I think... I didn't even know that. It's, it's awful. And wow. And I actually think, even though we've come a long way with medical intervention at birth, I think birth trauma is one of the biggest causes of this because mm. you've had a really severe birth um, and lots of issues that you hadn't planned and or you hadn't felt calm throughout. Your body's not... Or in, a big one for me is I just get upset about its induction, bringing baby yeah. on too early. Mm your body's not going to be ready mm-hmm. to fully feed and and takes a little bit of time and that is a big one I think that's why a lot of people just give up on it straight away mm. um, but if only they had in London in some places they have like doulas on call to help people with breastfeeding straight oh, away and so nice. I mean a lot of like the midwives are incredible but they're mm. very busy you know and it's yeah. so, often hard to get that one-to-one support so I think if people get a postnatal doula mm. to help them with breastfeeding it's so important mm. Mm. So what would you say, just to kind of finish off, um, what would you say the main things that you would say that women should, I guess we'll kind of focus on pregnancy, so what would you say the main (laughs) things that women can kind of do to support themselves and their babies through the pregnancy and postnatal Mm -hmm. period? I think having time for themselves Mm. is just key. So putting aside, even if it's 10, 15 minutes a day, to practice some sort of relaxation, um, or just deep connection to baby mm. and themselves. Um, that's why I find hypnobirthing so powerful, mm. having that little time just before you go to bed just to switch off and listen to your CDs. Um, also, nutrition. So I think making sure you're eating like a varied rainbow of foods, whole foods, plant-based diet if you can. <laughs> I think it's really good for pregnancy. Mm. And um, the support. I think the support is... Mm 
100% key. If you get the right people behind you, I think every person should look into a doula or a private midwife because, you know, it's not many these days realize that you won't have that one-to-one support when it comes to birth. There's not that continuity of care Mm. as we would wish for. And I mean, we spend sometimes thousands of pounds on a wedding, uh, you know, or Mm. a big occasion celebration, but we don't really want to spend much on our baby's birth. I haven't even looked at it like that, but that's so true. I mean, it's the average like wedding is like 30 grand. grand. But then if I say, oh, it's 800 pounds or a grand for a doula or Mm. a private midwife, people are like, what? I can't pay that. But the support yeah, that's is key, so true. completely yeah, key. Absolutely, that's yeah, a really good point. And then, I think finally, the the trust, like you said, is just having trust in your body mm. that we have, you know, from the dawn of day, from <laughs> dawn of time, we have been birthing, and women have been just trusting in their bodies to go through this process. So, mm. if you can just trust in that primal state and know that you could just turn your birth over to your baby in your body and everything will flow mm. as it should if you feel calm and relaxed and trusting within that that is one of the biggest bits of advice I'd give yeah mm. absolutely beautiful and you're going to take all your advice yes. in the next few days probably <laughs> I think well, it'll be any day now yeah in a couple of weeks maybe <laughs> so just to kind of finish off just if there's um, anyone wants to get in touch with you or come to your cafe yeah. or anything like that if you just want to say like I don't know how people can get in touch with you or the Instagram or sure yeah, yeah. well uh, the cafe is a big one. I'm always like around there. I'll mm-hmm. be doing lots of baby groups and mm-hmm. free baby yoga massage, women's circles and things. So the name of it is Wild and Wild Cafe. Yes. As my name's Wild, <laughs> surname <laughs> with my husband. And um, so you can find us on Instagram at Wild and Wild Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me personally as well, if you just go on at April Dawn Wild. Yeah, that's my like mm-hmm. personal account. And I always get back to people quick on there. I think Instagram's good for that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is, definitely. And I'll put all of the um, links in there. Yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, because we're opening, we're, we're opening more and more now as well. If anyone wants to come and check us out at the cafe, we're opening evenings, mm. doing loads of like different theme nights and, and I still need to come like isn't yeah you have earlier. to come like, there was one time that I was going to try and come and then it was the only day that it was closed so well, just don't worry because I brought you some vegan yeah. nibbles oh, and very good you've news. got cauliflower <laughs> buffalo wings and mm. sweet potato gnocchi to have now oh my goodness that sounds amazing <laughs> absolutely oh, thank you so much oh it's okay so if there's anything else that you want to finish off with or yeah, just to say thank you for having me on really oh, and I've so really enjoyed much. it and just sharing this I hope it can inspire some people mm, to I'm sure on their journey and yeah. and hopefully we can meet at a women's circle, one of yeah. yours or one of mine. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, that'd be I'm lovely. Sure oh, thank you so much, April. No problem. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> So that was April and I'm so grateful to her for being on the podcast. I think there is a lot of valuable information in this podcast and she's a very wise woman and I think it says a lot that she's been through three pregnancies and she's got almost three beautiful children because she's soon to give birth and she's just thriving and they're thriving and she's got an amazing business that she's running she's just doing all of the things and still managing to have time to herself and it's really inspiring to hear more about her journey and how she set up the business and how she's managing being a vegan mother and conscious parent and running all of these women's circles and doing such important work so yeah I'm really grateful to her for being on the podcast and I hope that you enjoyed this episode if you did then please do share and comment and subscribe and all of that stuff and if there's anyone that you know who is pregnant or thinking about having a baby and you think they would benefit from this podcast then please do pass it on to them and feel free to get in touch with me and April she gave you your details she gave you her details and I'll put all of the links in the show notes and feel free to get in touch with me because like I said at the beginning this is just what I love talking about so (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed and thank you for listening